You are listening to the Feast Podcast from the Light of Jesus family. We share heartfelt and inspirational messages for you to reflect on and pray about. May this message help you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself to God's unlimited blessing. Family prayer as we come in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody just say this out loud with me. Today I receive all of God's love for me. Today I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today I open myself to God's blessings, healings, and miracles. Today I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I invite everybody to sing with me as we honor God's Word? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, I'm always trusting that whenever I invite you to sing along with me to honor God's Word, that you're actually singing on the other side of the screen. Because, you know, the last thing you should think is, hey, I don't want to sing because I don't have the voice to accompany this beautiful face. But, hey, God gave you that voice. And so God loves your voice. Okay? Anyway, that's just a side note. Today, we're going to give you two very powerful messages. That's right. This is going to be like one of those infomercials that you watch on TV where the host goes, If you call now, we're not going to give you one. But, hey, we're going to give you two very powerful messages. That's right. Two very powerful messages. All for the attendance of one. But, hey, wait. There is more. <laughs> anyway, I hope that I did justice to those infomercial hosts. So that's right. We are going to give you two very powerful messages. In fact, here is the first one. I want you to write this down. God will meet you where you are. Hallelujah, somebody. God is going to meet you where you are. In fact, where are you right now? And no, I'm not necessarily asking about your physical state. Okay, I'm not asking about your location. In fact, I'm also referring to your mental state or maybe even your emotional state. Are you in a state of emotional hurt, for example? Did someone betray you, abuse you, neglect you, reject you recently? Are you in a state of hopelessness? Did your career take a beating in the last few months or maybe your business might be failing right now? Are you in a state of confusion? You know, do you find it hard to get out of bed lately? No purpose, no motivation to do anything. Or maybe you might be in a state of discomfort. Are you in a state of pain or, or suffering because of a physical illness that's afflicting your body? See, here's the thing. Wherever you are right now, whatever state that you're in, however you are feeling, whatever it is that you are carrying, I want you to believe that God is not idly sitting on His throne, you know, waiting for you to come up to Him. Instead, God will be the one to come down on you today. He's coming to your place in need. Declare this with me. Lord, meet me where I am. God is going to meet you where you are. And so I want you to ready your hearts to encounter the Lord today. You see, Scripture says that when you seek Him, you will find Him. And that's what we're believing, that we're going we're gonna to find the Lord today. Amen? Today, we're going to talk about a very profound and, and, and uh, powerful parable called the story of the sower. 
In fact, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. I want you to read this with me, okay? We're going to post the slides on the screen. Here we go. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. Now, a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat there and thought as the people stood on the shore. Let me pause here for a moment because I love what verse 2 says. where It says that Jesus sat there and thought as the people stood. Why is this important for me? Because today, look at this. The preacher stands while the people sit, right? The priest stands while he does the mass while the congregation sits. If we still had this original arrangement back then, you know, when the teacher would sit and the people would stand, nobody would ever fall asleep in church, right? <laughs> anyway, I want you to imagine the scene for a moment where Jesus preaches on a book. This was probably one of the first times that people were was encountering that kind of preaching style because, you know, since they didn't have mics or lapels or loudspeakers or amplifiers back then, the most practical way for anybody to preach was beside a lake. Why? Because the water would carry the sound everywhere. Water creates and it provides great acoustics. Did you know that? That's why you sound like a rock star whenever you sing in the shower. Right? How many of you sing in the shower like a rock star? Give me a virtual hands up. Question. What do you call it when you sing in the shower and then soap gets into your mouth? It's called a soap opera. <laughs> Can I get an amen for that at least, okay? See, when Jesus preached on a boat for the very first time, it was a new thing to many people. Remember that the religious teachers, they only taught in synagogues and temples. So why was Jesus even preaching on a boat? No, I don't have a punchline for that too, okay? Don't wait for my punchline. Here's the answer. Because when the doors of the synagogues and the temples were closed against Jesus, what happened? Jesus did not have a choice. Instead, the only choice he had was to take the streets and preach out in the open. You know, teach people in the open air. He taught people beside the lake inside their own homes, out in the open road. So as early as this, Jesus was already challenging this tradition and this notion that church can only be done inside a temple. He was showing people that church can be done outside, in the streets, you know, just like our feast light. You remember them? The feast lights for our jeepney drivers? Up to now, they still meet together and congregate together to, to do fellowship, to hear the word of the Lord in an open street in Makati. During the pandemic you know what did we see we saw that church can be done in our own homes in our living rooms in our bedrooms in our offices in our cars how through zoom meetings through facebook live through all of these pl online platforms so let me say it again god will meet you where you are Okay, You don't have to wait to go to a church building or to a temple to commune with God because He's right there in your home. He's there in your office. He's there when you watch TV. You know, when you exercise, when you're making that sales call, when you fall, when you make mistakes, when you get hurt, He's there even when you think He's not there because God will meet you where you are. How many of you are glad that God is present anytime and anywhere? He is an ever-present help to those who are in need. Can I get a big amen from somebody? Amen. I got to catch my breath for a little moment. <laughs> anyway, let's proceed to verse 3, okay? Verse 3, verse 3. This is the part where Jesus is actually going to tell the story of the sower. He says, Listen. 
a farmer went out to plant some seeds. Now, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay, I know what some of you might be thinking right now. That's a lot of seed that was wasted, right? Why would a farmer waste 75% of his seeds? Let me give you the context first, okay? In ancient Israel, a farmer would scatter seeds in two ways. Either he could, here's the first one, he could throw them into the air and then let the wind carry it wherever it wants to. Or the second thing is he can put the seeds in a sack and then tie that sack onto a mule or a donkey. And then what he would do is he would cut a hole into that sack and then he would lead the animal around the field. And as he leads the animal, uh, the seed spills out. You know, little by little, it, it leaks out and, and goes into the soil. That's why, as the parable describes it, some seeds fell into different kinds of ground. You know, hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, and the best ground, good ground. Fertile soil. Okay, this is what we're going to talk about. And to many, you know, that might be considered wasteful. That's a lot of seeds that's being wasted. But notice this, okay? That the seeds, they actually don't change. It's the same seed that spills out of the sack every single time. The only thing that changes is the ground that receives it. So, in this way, what is the one thing that never changes in this world? God's love, right? God's love is steadfast. God's love, it's constant. It's dependable. It's steady. So, in this sense, we could say that the seed that's being scattered could be God's love, right? I mean, think about it. Just like the wasteful seeds, isn't God's love also wasteful too? You know, He gives His love lavishly to you and me, whether we receive it or not. God freely gives away His love again and again with hopes that a rejection will turn into a reception one day. So if you have been rejecting God's love for you, my dear friend, maybe it's time for you to open up to Him. See, God wants to pour out His healing, His forgiveness, and His transforming love onto you. Amen. I hope that you receive God's love today. In fact, before we continue studying this part, I want us to pray. I want you to bow down your head and close your eyes and let us pray. God in heaven, today as everything is happening all around my life, good things, bad things, difficult things, challenging things, Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would minister into every area of my life, Lord. We want the victory, Lord. We want the solutions to our problems and the only way that we can go through that to, to that destination is if we go through this process, Lord, because before there is a promise, there is a process. And so, Lord, as you process us today, our eyes and our ears and our hearts are wide open so that you can speak a message loud and clear into our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for how you will speak. We give you the glory now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, everybody. Let's sing in honor of God's word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hallelujah. 
I hope and pray that God has already been speaking into your life with a powerful message thus far. Anyway, let's continue, okay? As I've said, while the seed that we talked about from the seed and the source story, while the seed represents God's love, you know, the seed can also represent God's word, right? In the sense that God's word is also unchanging. It stands through the test of time. That's why maybe when Jesus told this parable to his disciples and they couldn't understand it, you, you know, just like any teacher, Jesus had to explain it. That's what teachers do. They explain things. Take note that out of all the 36 parables in the Bible that Jesus told them, Jesus actually only told them two explanations. He only explained it twice because Jesus was training them to be spiritually sensitive to the word. Okay, when you don't understand the word, it's usually because you're only looking at it from a surface level. Challenge yourself, my dear friend, to go deeper. In fact, it's a beautiful thing that we're in our Lenten season because now we can go deeper. You know, as you sacrifice certain things for the Lord, as you subtract, make sure that you always add. Make this journey all about getting closer to the Lord. Okay, don't just be satisfied with this shallow relationship that you have with Him. You see, the Word of God, it's designed to speak to people who take their time to understand it. So I hope that you take the time to sit down during the season and grow your relationship with the Lord. All right? Anyway, Jesus explains it this way. Verse 18. Let's go to verse 18. It says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. Verse 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately, type that in, immediately, receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Now, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Now here's a word for somebody. Verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planned. Question. How many of you want to receive an abundant harvest? Type this in. I want a harvest. I want a harvest, Lord. You want an increase of about a 30-fold or 60-fold or a hundred-fold in your harvest? It's not a secret. Jesus says... You must be good soil. You got to be fertile ground. So how can you be good ground? How can you be fertile soil? Let me show you, okay? Remember what we preached last series? We talked about the different responses that people gave to Jesus, how some people responded positively, some negatively, some even responded neutrally. Look at this. In this story, it's one sower, but with four soils. It's one Jesus, but with many responses to him. For example, the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus, right? John the Baptist, and his family, the family of Jesus, they doubted him. But to everybody's surprise, the ones who actually believed in him and who stuck with him, they came from an unexpected group, right? Who were they? They were the outcasts, the lame, the, the lepers, the poor, the sinners, the people that were unexpected. They were the people that Jesus considered to be good ground. Why is that? I want you to listen. Are you listening? Okay, I gotta make sure you're listening. This is very important. The reason why they were considered to be good ground is because they had nothing. They made Jesus. Jesus, they're everything. 
that is so good, I gotta repeat it again. Because they had nothing, they made Jesus their everything. See, Jesus was all they had. He was their greatest prize because they had nothing. The Bible calls these people the Anoim. Translated, that means the poor of the Lord. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. See, these are the people who had no power, no prestige, no position, no pride. And because of that, they valued Jesus as their greatest treasure. Do you want to be good soil? Do you want to be fertile ground? Do you want to be like this this people called the Anawim? Okay, let me qualify first. Brother Audi, does being an Anawim mean that I have to, you know, go to the ATM right after this talk and then withdraw all my hard-earned savings and then give it to the first person that I see in the street? Let me tell you this. If you're going to do that, please tell me what street you're going to be in so that I can meet you there. <laughs> okay, no, that's not what it means. I believe that this is way, way, way deeper. It's a lot deeper than just merely, you know, giving away your money. Because this is a message about how we should give up our false riches, number one. Our sense of privilege, for example. Our erroneous notion of what is essential and the senseless attitude that we know everything. In other words, let's dethrone any false gods that's sitting in our throne, in our life, and let's put Jesus there. Let's make Jesus our everything. Let's have this unquenchable desire and desperation for God, just like the Anoim. See, I'm telling you, the way we receive God's love and His Word is crucial. In fact, I want you to reflect on this question right now, okay? When you hear the Word of the Lord speaking into your life, like for example, when you go to the feast, when you hear the message, whether you hear it from the feast or maybe through a a personal meditation, where does it land? Where does it land? Does it land on hard ground? What does it mean when it lands on hard ground? Just as Jesus said, it lands on hard ground when you don't have time to sit down and understand and reflect on God's Word, to meditate on the Word. So what happens is that you might attend the feast, you might attend the Mass, but then after, you forget, right? You're very quick to forget. So the Word, it doesn't get planted. It doesn't bear fruits and roots into your life. Or maybe it lands also on stony ground where you might have the enthusiasm, the joy to receive the Word, but you don't have the perseverance or the patience to wait it out. You're very impatient. So what happens, it it lands on, on stony ground. It doesn't grow root. Or maybe it lands on thorny ground where you're able to receive the word, but you're also able to receive the seeds coming from the world. So everything else competes with it. You know, the nutrition that you need to grow the word, it also competes with your your nutrition for, for example, materialism. The noise of the world drowns out the voice of the Lord. So it chokes out the word of the Lord. Or, here's the best thing, are you what Jesus calls good ground, fertile soil, good soil? How do you know if you are good soil? Very simple. You know that you are good ground is that when you hear God's word, it grows root and eventually it bears fruit. For example, when mercy is planted in your life over time, you become more forgiving to those who hurt you. That's when you know that you are fertile ground. When generosity is planted in you over time, you don't hesitate in giving to those who are in need. That's when you know that you are fertile soil. That's the goal. We want to be good soil where God's blessings are flowing in and out of our life. Okay? That's what we want. Let me close by sharing this 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 story with you this picture actually this is a picture a zoom gathering of our feast liturgical bible study or in short we call it lbs it's very similar to a light group where people would gather weekly meet each other uh, once a week or twice twice a month something like that but what makes this very different is that instead of talking about the message that we preached at the feast that's what we do in our light groups okay we talk about the message that we 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 preached at the feast
Christ. Instead of doing that, in the LBS, we study the scriptures that we would be reading the next Sunday in the Holy Mass. For example, the first reading, the second reading, the responsorial psalm, and the gospel. And we put all of those scriptures together and then we come up with one message. But here's the best part. We all do it together. There is no preacher leading. There is a facilitator, but that, that facilitator is not the preacher. Nobody has the monopoly of the wisdom. Nobody has the monopoly of the inspiration. Everybody gets a role in sharing what the Lord is speaking directly to them. See, we tried this out first with our pastoral, our core pastoral team last year. And back then, we had maybe around 15 to 20 people meeting every Sunday in PICC to study the Word of the Lord. But fast forward to today, we now have 60 plus people meeting every Saturday and Sunday afternoon. But Take note, this is very important, okay? Because some of you might be saying, yes, I want to sign up. Okay, for now, this is a closed group for now. For now. Why? Simply because we're still growing the number of our facilitators. But why am I sharing this with you? Because I want you to be excited, okay? Why? Because our goal is to open LBS to all our attendees. Our target is by the end of this year. So do pray with us on this, okay? You will be the first one to know when we start opening this to all our attendees. I mean, imagine this. People studying, meditating, and growing in God's Word together. You see, the feast, the feast is designed to be a wonderful place that people can come and dine and feast on God's Word, literally, right? That's why you come here and you listen to different preachers feeding you with God's word. But I believe that the more lofty goal of the feast is not that you would just sit there in the dining table waiting to be fed. See, the bigger goal is that over time, as you get nourished by the word in that banquet table, eventually you should join us where? In the kitchen, cooking, marinating, and preparing God's word so we can serve the word to newcomers who are hungry. That's what we want. This is where we want to go. We want to learn how to chew on the word slowly so that we can digest it easily. Amen, somebody. That's why Jesus ends this parable and many other parables saying this in verse 9. Let me read it to you. Verse 9. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. See, this was a direct reference to the Shema. The Shema was the most important prayer of Judaism. Shema in Hebrew means hear. And the prayer's first line is, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is the one one Lord. Let me explain. The Shema was prayed three times a day, every single day. So what was Jesus doing by saying, whoever has ears, let them hear? Jesus wanted his listeners to chew his parables every single day until they understood it and after understanding it he asks that they obey it because in Hebrew Shema isn't just about hearing Shema means to hear and to obey being a good soil my dear friend it's not only about letting God's word be planted in your life but it's also about letting God's word produce fruits in your life once it's planted in you over time it needs to bear fruit not just for you but also for those around you okay this is the message that we want you to receive today but to give you more meat more context and a very practical help I want you to help me welcome on the other side of this world brother Bo Sanchez hi I want to do something different today I want to bring you behind the scenes at the feast specifically how we prepare the talks. It's almost like this. Instead of just letting you 
be there at the dining room eating the spiritual food at the feast. I'm going to bring you to the kitchen on how we prepare the spiritual food. Why? Because I believe that God has a second message for you today at the feast. Are you ready? This is what God wants you to do. Once you allow God to meet you where you are, He's going to say, go deeper. I, I, I want you to put your hands over your chest and, and, and say that, declare that. I'm going deeper. You know, tell somebody beside you, type it down. I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper in God's love. So what, what am I, what am I going to share with you today? Um, you see, when my, by the way, Bo Sanchez here, Welcome to the feast. You know, when my kids were smaller, we would watch VeggieTales. VeggieTales is an animated Bible stories hosted by Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. And, and yes, as strange as that may sound, talking vegetables with no arms, you know. And, and just in case you know or you watch that and you know the theme song, you want to sing together? VeggieTales, VeggieTales, Veggie... Okay, never mind. <laughs> great. It was great. It was wonderful cartoons. But I believe the major problem is this. Christians today still see the Bible as a collection of children's stories. We've not grown up. We've not deepened in our understanding of the Bible. And that's what I want to share with you today. You see, I, I'm so happy for the brand new series that we're entering. It's called OG Tales. <laughs> Not Veggie Tales, but OG for original. We're going back to the original stories of the original storyteller, Jesus. We're going to ex explore the parables of Jesus. Now, when you hear the word parable, I think a lot of people have two presumptions. What are they? Number one, Jesus used parables to make things clearer. And it's, it's like, hey, partially, I believe that's true. Great speakers are great storytellers, right? But for Jesus, it's only partially true. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus, I believe, deliberately used parables, not just to clarify, but also to confuse some some people, like the Pharisees, he was buying time, you know, delaying just a little bit the crucifixion so he could continue to fulfill whatever he had to do for his public ministry. But here's the second presumption that we have about parables, that Jesus used parables for what? Well, to teach moral lessons. They're for many people, okay? Parables are like Aesop's fables. Are you, are you familiar with that? They are simple stories that teach moral lessons. Now, when you say moral lessons, that's redundant, right? Never mind. <laughs> but I'm just giving you a picture of the person. Now, I want you to know that that is only partially true with Jesus. Why? Ask me why. <laughs> I'll tell you. Because wo woven in the parables were design patterns from the Old Testament. And so Matthew, Jesus sharing these parables and Matthew sharing it with us. The message is this. It all pointed to Jesus. The parables were about Jesus and the kingdom that he was building. Meaning to say, meaning to say it's this. Aesop's fables were teaching us to be good. The parables were teaching us to follow King Jesus. And in the process, we become radically good. Meaning to say, don't skip Jesus. <laughs> um, this is what we're precisely doing at the feast. We're telling you to follow King Jesus 
And in the process, he'll be the one to make us good, to make us radically good. And this ties in with how we prepare the talks at the feast. You know, in 2006, in Valle Verde, passing, that's where we launched the feast. Why? We want to reach the unchurched. Just like Jesus, you know, going to the people who were not allowed to go into the synagogues, people who were not anymore religious. You know, for different reasons, Jesus went there. The feast wanted to reach there. And over time, we grew to, you know, hundreds of feasts in hundreds of cities all over the world. Now, because we wanted to reach the unchurched, we preached very simple, down-to-earth, practical messages that were gift-wrapped like self-help talks. Our messages were bite-sized, digestible, and uh, liquefied even, and, and really good. Um, but then at the end of each talk, we would close it by leading people to Jesus. Now, we would quote scripture, yes, we would quote Bible stories, absolutely, but we wouldn't go deep. We would go right away to practical applications. Now, I want you to know the feast was an amazing success. People were led to Jesus. Lives were changed. Families were restored. I cannot count the number of people who have come up to me, and, and, and these were their words. Brother Bo, before the feast, I wasn't going to church. Brother Bo, before the feast, I was like this, I was like that, far away from the Lord, and then the, the feast brought me closer to God. So we were very, very successful. But this is what happened along the way. As, as the years went by, we noticed that the faithful feasters began to grow hungrier for the Word of God. And that was a good thing. They, they wanted to grow spiritual roots. It was really a sign of spiritual growth. And so we had to shift, that big shift from feast stocks 1.0, okay? We had to go to feast stocks version 2.0. What was that? The big difference was this. Instead of jumping right away to practical application, we first dove deep into scriptures. Let me, let me share with you that some people had a little bit of tough time being able to make that adjustment. I remember one time, um, when I went down from the stage at the feast, um, a dear friend comes up to me and, and says, Brother Bo, can we talk? And I said, sure. And, and she said, I love the feast. I love the talks. I want to say thank you so much. But I noticed something. I said, what? She said, you changed the way you gave your talks. And she said, she explained. She said, it's like, it's like before you would just tell us what to do in our marriage, in our jobs, in our finances. Now you would go through the Bible, you know, and then you will tell us what to do. But, you know, after that, but, but you would first you know, go through scripture. And well, honestly, Brother Bo, the first way of doing it was easier for us. And and I chuckled and I told her, absolutely, what we're doing is not easy. But let me share with you in an analogy, in an, uh, a, uh, a way of understanding, in a graphic way, what we did. I, I explained this to her and I'm going to explain it to you right now. I told her, Feast Talks 1.0 is like giving people fruit. I was giving fruits to people, juicy, sweet fruits. And people loved it because it was so easy. All they had to do was eat. Yum, 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 yum. Feast Talks 2.0, I... I'm now giving fruit trees. I am giving fruit trees. And so people will have to dig the soil and they have to plant the 
the tree and they have to water and, and they have to protect the tree. But then this is what's going to happen. They will have fruit for the rest of their lives. And, and so this, this, and I'll tell you why roots are very, very important. I'll tell you through a story and this is how I'm going to close. Um, there were two na- next door neighbors. Their names are, um, Busy Bob and Beautiful Barbie. Now, if this were a Hollywood sitcom, I want you to know that in episode one, they already did it, quote unquote, in bed. Sorry for being censored. <laughs> In episode one, if this were a K-drama, Bob would tell Barbie, I like you in episode six, kiss her in episode eight, and then kiss her the second time in episode 16 when the series is over. Okay, um, believe me because my wife is an expert. And and uh, But I am sorry, this is not a romantic story. This is a gardening story. Um, both Busy Bob and Beautiful Barbie are avid gardeners. So next door neighbors... Only the white picket fence between them is what separates their homes. They had their own respective gardens. And Busy Bob, well, he was busy building buildings. And uh, no similar, no, no, the similarities uh, does not mean that he's, this has any relationship with Bob the Builder, okay? And, and uh, so he, he was really busy, but you know, he loved his garden and he would water the, 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 the plants as regularly as his time could allow him to. And, and he, he was great. He was great. You know, um, uh, beautiful Barbie was different. She lived in her garden. She was a fashion designer for clothes. By the way, this has no relationship whatsoever with Barbie the doll. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, B- Barbie, would, would be living in her garden, like, like she, she would design her, her work there, her clothes there, but, but she would be watering her plants, you know, so regularly, so frequently. So at the end of the year, the, the, the plants of Bob and Barbie, I mean, they were beautiful. They were, they were all great, but the plants of Barbie were a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, a little bit fuller, but then a fierce storm came. Strong winds, heavy rain, and then the next day, Bob and Bar- and Barbie rushed out of their homes to look at their gardens, and Barbie was heartbroken when she saw that her plants were yanked out of the ground because of the strong wind. And then she was shocked when she looked over her white picket fence to see the plants of Bob standing strong. And she asked, Bob, why are my tree, my little trees and my plants, why are they pulled out of the ground because of the wind and yours are standing strong? And this is what Bob said. I want you to listen carefully. Bob said, because my plants have deeper roots. And then he explained, he said, Barbie, you were watering and watering and watering and watering. Your plants, they did not need to dig deep for their roots, they, they, they could get water easily. Mine, they had to. I end with this story because what we're doing at the feast is not easy. Unpacking scripture, asking you to remove your modern eyeglasses, wear the ancient eyeglasses, entering into the heart, the mind, and the world of the biblical authors. Difficult. But you know what? This is my prayer, that you will grow your roots deep into the word of God so that when a storm comes, you're going to be standing strong. No matter what trial you will have in your life, your commitment and your love for God will remain strong. God will meet you where you are. And when you allow him to do that, to meet you, say yes. Go deeper. Grow your roots. Jesus, he was a seed that died, was buried on the ground. 
And three days later, he rose up and you are his fruit. That's deep. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Light of Jesus family. For more messages like these, visit lightfam.com and click on Feast Teachings.